0: We have one of the nicest MCs joining me on the show here tonight for sports and hip hop with DJ Mad Max, who goes by the name of Chris Rivers. Got a brand new collective album out right now, Apophenia. Chris Rivers, what is yes, going on, sir. man? Welcome to the show, sports and hip hop with DJ Mad Max.
1: Oh man, thank you for having me, bro. I love your energy, and kudos to you for pronouncing the album title correctly for the first try. That be- <laughs> don't get it, man, but you got it. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, I made sure to do my research and make sure that everything is correct when I come to the interview here, and I- I'm looking forward to chatting with you about it and you got a lot of things planned on the way my favorite song on the track is thank you just that outro track that you have on there and the energy you put into that is insane oh man i
1: love that that means you listen to the whole project the fact that you listen to the outro which which means a lot you know what <laughs> i mean and uh, it was the perfect way to end it man i love how everybody came on there Denzel how they killed this so did tony chalk you did the production on the whole project and uh it, it was really fun to make that man for real
0: Mhm. Congratulations on that. The new release, make sure you go check it out. Everyone go download it, support it. Support the real hip hop and the real MCs out here. So tell me, how did this collective start to come about because you've been collaborating with Oswin for years?
1: Yes. Um so basically uh OCD uh it's it's our it's our name initials. Oswin Benjamin, uh Chris Rivers and Denzel Porter. OCD. Yeah, and um we uh we originally uh, we all knew each other for a while. Uh, but we originally linked together on Team Backpack, with, uh, which uh, is known now as uh, World MC, World Underground MC. And uh, it was a big hip hop coalition for like um, a lot of upcoming artists or people who like really into lyricism. And they gave a platform for us to have incredible ciphers and stuff like that. So we was on a few ciphers prior to that. But uh, when Armani, shout out to Armani, he, he was running it at the time, he told us to all be in like a cypher together. Like, yo, how about you, Oswald and Denzel being a cypher together? And since we all knew each other, we figured like, yo, instead of going up there and just rapping separately, how about we like really get up prior and really plan to make this something really crazy, like together. And uh, we didn't realize that we was creating a moment that was gonna stand in history. Like people people went nuts for that cypher. Like uh, we, We put a staple in there, we changed the whole, uh cypher world in that sense and then uh from, from then that was probably like seven years ago people been demanding like yo we need a project from you guys like ocd And after that we did two more cyphers and um over the over the next two years and uh they've been constant. like that was the last one was probably five years ago and they've non-stop been asking for it we you know obviously as individual artists we release some projects they've been busy but it came to a point where we was like yo like i think it's time people been asking for it for like seven years and we all got the free time right now to do it so let's get up let's make it happen and, and we did man like we actually started recording it took us like a month to make the project and total shout out to tony chalk as well like he produced it from top to bottom and uh and yeah man we may sound we're proud of and we all we all you know we all push each other it's scary rapping with them dudes man they're too nice
0: tell it's them cool. part of the city those, yeah. those window pane
1: yeah there's yeah. some bangers uh, on there no thank you bro thank you man like uh, um yeah we really have fun like Collectively, like I, I feel like Oswin is great at things that he's great at, uh, Denzel's great at things that he's great at, and I'm good at the things that I'm great at, and they don't always overlap. Like, we're all awesome, but we're we expertize in certain like things that the others um don't. And I, I think, like, us three all coming together, we make really good music. So it was, it was a good time, bro. It was a good time,
0: absolutely. When coming up with the title, because if you look at the definition of apophenia you see that it's the relation of unrelated things, the connection between unrelated things.
1: Right. So um, I think uh, the way that we all rap, like we really, really often uh, push like a subject matter or a topic or concepts of its limits. And we realized while we was making a project and we hearing everything back, it was like, yo, we each took, um, our own personal life experience, and we added a different perspective to that singular um, concept. So we thought the title really meshed well because we're three separate pieces, three th- three different lives, three different perspectives, all forming together to form uh, just this one song or this one track and this one project. So it really fit because um, we hope that we covered like, because we're so different as people, me, Ozzawna and Denzel, that we hope that we covered Like, you know, uh, at least, you know, uh, millions of people's different perspectives on each one of those subjects that we rapped about. So we thought we thought that really felt right. You know what I mean? Because we were all coming together. It's different, but it's all about the same shit. You
0: You guys definitely have the chemistry. Is there going to be an OCD tour coming up?
1: Uh, So right now we have uh, three shows lined up and um, we're actually leaving tomorrow to go drive down to Colorado. We got shows on the 28th, 29th and 30th. Uh, We got a show in uh, Cali lined up in February as well. Uh, Touring is a little uh, weird right now with how the world is. You know what I mean? COVID. Yeah, any any shows that we do get, we're definitely going to shout it out and tell people on our socials. But we might even do some stuff in the metaverse. You know, who knows? But we're definitely going to pump it as much as we can and release the videos, et cetera, for sure.
0: Which videos can we expect next from you?
1: So, All Love already came out. That's right. Um, What You Mean, which is the super story-based record. Um, You know what I'm saying? That one actually drops uh, tomorrow uh, pretty early. So, that one's going to happen. And then uh, Thank You, you the track you like. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna release a, a video for that. And um, a lot of people are demanding Kaishi as well. So we kind of just been really listening to what people want. And so there's a few on there that we got to shoot for
0: real. <laughs> just do videos for the whole album because it seems that's as well everyone right. likes the whole album. <laughs>
1: Yo, know, you know, you know what I'm saying? That that's why I wanna learn. I'm I'm actually gonna take it seriously and learn how to shoot my own music videos and edit them down properly. Cause you realize when you're dealing with a lot of other people's schedules or you're trying to hire a videographer or like whatever it is, it gets more complicated when you want to shoot 10, 15 videos. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, but that's why I'm gonna get to the point where I'm like, yo, guys, I got us. like I'm gonna shoot it, I'm gonna an edit it. And every single thing I come out with is gonna have a music video, bro. Trust me. <laughs>
0: And I'm looking forward to it. But how's life going for you in 2022? Especially, I know your whole backstory. We know who your father is—a legendary big pun. We'll get into all that. But how's your mind state in 2022? Man, it's
1: been—it's been a year of growth. Like, um, I'm speaking of my father. Like, uh, I I turned 28 in the in the November that passed, and 28 is actually the age that he died. So uh, it's—it was definitely um, uh, an interesting age. to know that I'm currently older than my father was when he last was alive, and to uh, and to feel that and to and to run with it, you know what I mean, and and to to come into this year, uh, you know, I got engaged uh, late last year as well.
0: Congratulations! Um, I saw that online.
1: Thank you, bro. I moved across the country to the West Coast. Um, you know, I, I really like when I look uh, at last year, a year ago this time, my life is a total black and white change. You know what I mean? So to see how much can change in a year, it's honestly inspiring. And there's a lot of things that um, I do want to accomplish still. And I've been thinking a lot about, you know, how I'm going to grow as a man and as a human and, and where I'm going in life. And uh, it's, been, it's been an introspective um but introspective few months. I actually had a crazy mushroom trip right before my birthday. It was the first time I ever tried it. And man, it was it was like an ego death. And that just changed my mind a lot. And um, yeah, I, I think mentally, I came into this year strong, man. This project came out and just moving forward with music firmly and getting a few other things under my belt that I feel could be lucrative. And uh, yeah, just, just running with positivity and good health, man. You know, I want to get healthy, get right, get financially just powerful and just, and just keep moving, enjoy life, you know?
0: That's great to hear and I'm glad that things are going positive in your life especially with the releases of the music and everything that you have up and coming. You mentioned your ego on windowpane actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying and uh um I think it was important. I see a lot of it's funny I see a lot of uh with all of us, you know, like um uh I see a lot of in our writing like specific it's dope when I'm like there while, like I hang out with Oswald and Dezzo, we're going through stuff and something might happen. And then later on when we're in the studio, I hear it in his verse or, you know what I mean? Like, so I can see a lot of where I was at my life in that month, doing those months in the lyrics and stuff like that. And we, and we, um, we we're big believers in um only using real life experiences. If, if we talk about something that we haven't been through, it's either a story or something that we know that someone's been through, but we only try to put real life into our lyrics so that it resonates with people who also live, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: That's hip-hop, and that's what you've been doing since day one. and to get into the the backstory of your father and just how you came about, you realize that that your father made a huge impact and that he was an icon and a legend, especially in the music industry, at his funeral. Do you have any memories of being either at any of his tours or performances when you were younger?
1: Um, I have uh, some scattered memories. I remember being in the studio uh, while he was recording some of um, his albums, either his first or his second one. I can't remember because he didn't really let us into the actual studio studio that much, but we was in like the building. I remember playing a lot of Crazy Taxi on the arcade machine that was outside the actual like studio room. Uh, I remember um, there was a couple times that we went on the road with him. There was one time where I went with him to Amsterdam where he had a show. I remember I was, I was, I was like four years old and I was just like gassed out from like the flight. I I made up an imaginary friend that was with me the whole tour. And like, you know, he passed when I was six. So like anything I experienced was, you know, six and down and really, really between the age of like four, like three and four, because the last year or two of my life, he, um, his health was getting really bad because, uh, he was, he started getting really heavy. So at that time he stopped, he was, uh, way less active, like in the studio and like on the road, because he actually couldn't move around too much. So um but I but I do remember some of those moments definitely and just him being a just just a nut, nut person. Like he loved pranks. He loved just doing crazy stuff and and just really utilizing the fact that who he was so like he could just get away with shit. You know what I mean? Like so it was it was definitely fun. I I would love to have had my current mind with uh, with those experiences, because I think I would have loved to have more conversations with him and also just been around while he was creating. Because as a four year old, I wasn't super duper interested in like, the studio sessions and all that stuff. But as an adult right now, as someone who does music myself, I would have loved to have been around such like A-list level production, studio quality artists, you know what I mean? Like, but you know, it's definitely dope to look back and be like, oh shit, that really did happen. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm.
0: Uh, unbelievable just amazing stories that you have there and rest in peace to your father one of the greatest to ever do it and you're following in his footsteps and I've heard you say in interviews you don't like when people say that you're trying to be him but it's always an honor to hear someone say that you sound like him because he's one of the greatest of all time is there ever a line in your career when you feel as though because you used to be called baby pun you changed your name to Chris Rivers is there ever a point in your career where you're going to say I'm Chris Rivers because I feel as though with the music you've been doing for years with GITU, which is Gitu Greatest in the Universe, Self Inflicted like Bubble Boy, you're making an imprint for yourself. Is there ever a point in your life where you're saying that this is Chris Rivers?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think I've been pretty vocal about that for years. Uh, even the the moniker Baby Pun, it, it was never something that I chose for myself. Like when I first started rapping as like a little kid, um, I was given that name. You know what I mean? I didn't choose that, which made sense And back then. I, I was less um. You know, as an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or however old I was at the time, I wasn't so uh, focused on um, identity. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a little kid. Like the, the, those types of introspective thoughts don't really hit you until later on. But when I, when I was um, in high school and I was rapping and um and I and I knew that right after I graduated, I wanted to, uh, you know, really pursue music. I knew that I I wanted to be established as someone that was myself because, I I, you know, I would do this regardless of who my father was. So, you know, I, after that, I was like, OK, my name is Chris Rivers. That's who I am. And I I would really have to, like, go around and correct people constantly. Like, no, call me Chris Rivers. And they're like, nah, you still be. I'm like, yo, bro. And their name and say their name was like Jeff. I'll be like, all right, cool. I got, I got you, Bob. No, my name's not Bob. I'm like exactly. I would've called you Bob because your name's not fucking Bob. Like, you know, I'm gonna call you by your name. Call me by my name. You know what I mean? Like, so I, would, I would legit get into arguments with people. I would legit like, like, nah, call me this. I'll even do stuff like subliminal messages. Baby pun is dead. Like, all that stuff. And um, I think ultimately, like, I was, I was fighting a, a uphill battle, or like a up, upstream swim. And it's like, yo, like, as long as I establish myself as an artist. And people respect me for me. It gradually got to the point where people was like, "Yo, I'm not like calling me Chris Rivers more." People, I go on interviews and people ask me more questions about myself. I realized that transition. And then also, like my father, he passed almost twenty-two years ago. So if you're if you're uh, if you're like early twenties or even in your teens and you get put onto me and you like me you you were probably born after or a baby when my father was pa- passed or towards the end of his career so they're more familiar with what i've done than him and so i see that gradual shift you know what i mean and i'm um, i stop being so like forceful with it and and more so just like yeah like whatever comes comes you know what i mean like people love me for me people love me because i came from that a little bit of both sometimes and i just you know just let it rock you know you can't you can't you can't fight the universe bro you
0: I've heard about the story, especially with the abuse that you've spoken about in the past. What was it in your mindset that you were able to forgive your father?
1: I think that um the acknowledgement that uh everyone's human, you know what I mean like um it's one of those things where you know I learned more about his childhood and um and what made him become a person like that and I learned more about the cycle of abuse and what uh and what people go through when they often become the abuser and uh and you know things of that nature so you know I it's always good to humanize a person and to not just idolize them as an artist or as a parent you know a lot of us you know, idolise our parents growing up and we think they have it all figured out or things like that when you don't realize that they're they're also humans just growing and we're gonna eventually be the age that our parents were when we idolized them and we realize we're still figuring things out. So how, you know, to think that they had it all figured out was crazy, especially in those times. Like my parents had three kids by the time they was 20 and they was homeless. Like I'm 28. I have no kids. And you know what I mean? Like and and like life was totally different in that time. And and to know, you know, and know his upbringing and to know that people make mistakes and, you know, and just acceptance i think ultimately is acceptance like when you hold on to especially with someone that passed like it's not like i could like speak to him and get his uh mind state and like try to understand uh understand the things that he did from his own perspective like you know so when someone dies and you don't even have the opportunity to speak to them like when you hold on to any pain or any any grief you're really only hurting yourself so you know i took it upon myself to be like you know what like i'm not going to i'm not going to like you know let the trauma be more than what it is you know what i'm saying if i have to deal with Subconscious traumas are things that I I was molded by because of it. That's something I deal with, you know. But at at a conscious level, I won't hold any pain or any resentment. Or any or any type of, you know what I'm saying? Like it's and, and I do my best to help people. I've I've, I've been to many um uh, seminars where I spoke about abuse and I helped a lot of people with some of the music that I made. And um I've been to shelters speaking to children who was in homes of domestic violence. I even got to speak to children in the same shelter that I was in when I when I was growing up and you know, and I see um a lot of people ask themselves like, yo, why did this happen to me? And I realize like some some people are always looking for a reason. And sometimes you have to create the reason. I went through all these things, not because something beforehand made it make sense, but what I do with that pain and what I do with that experience could give it purpose. And if I can help people, which I have, um, that gives my pain some purpose. So I'm grateful for everything that I've been through and all the lives that I've been able to save through my music or just me being president, the lives of being vocal about it. So, you know, ultimately um, I'm blessed to be who I am, the pain and the good part. So, you know, I can't hold no grudges for sure.
0: And it's great that you forgave your father and you forgiven and you recognize that what he went through in his childhood. So you recognize that he was human in this day and age. I feel as though people don't look at people as being human with social media because we get the whole term cancel culture. What is your view on cancel culture and how we just throw people to the side and just automatically say that they're guilty without even evaluating what they went through in their lives?
1: right there there's a there's a duality uh there um i think that on one hand i think that it's um uh it's awesome that that people do have a voice and it's awesome that people are able to express them, express themselves especially the youth where there's probably some some people who really deserve to be cancelled a hundred percent who in positions of power that uh, deserve to be called out or certain infrastructures and systems that deserve to be taken down or dismantled, especially with the youth now being so vocal about what's right and what's wrong. They're not giving into to the status quo. But on the flip end of that, I think that is dehumanizing a lot of people. I think there's certain people where that you're trying to cancel people for doing something that you've done, but since they're famous, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's, it's one of those things. It's like, yo, like to, to end, th- there's certain things that that you, and, and it's hard because who's the judge of it? Like, I, I think we could all agree that like sexual assault or like pedophilia, certain things deserve a, a level of backlash that should be life destroying or like that should affect your life dramatically. But then there's certain things that's like, okay like it should be a slap on the wrist cause it's a difference between um, uh, like something that someone should get uh, um, canceled for and a teaching moment. And I feel like there's a lot of moments that are teaching moments that people are instead of getting canceled for, you get know what I mean? And, um, and some, and then also there's differences of opinion. Like, you know, it's like some people just don't agree with certain things. Some people think like, Oh, you know, like, I think you're more, I think kids today are too sensitive or blah, blah, blah whatever they want to say. I think it's one of those things like, you know, I think Dave Chappelle's a great example of it because he's almost impossible to cancel. And there's always the, um, there's always the, uh, the conversation of like, you know, when's a jo- like, what's okay not to joke about, and at the end of the day, it's all about opinions. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm I'm not a sensitive person, so I have I have friends that make dead dad jokes and abuse jokes and all these types of things, and I'm like, yo, if it's funny, it's funny. Like, I laugh at it. Like, I laugh at my own pain. So it's one of those things where it's like, if if if, if me being offended means that you can't do something that what makes your, you know what I mean? So like it's that whole world of things. So I think like there's no defined line of what someone should be canceled for. And what someone shouldn't be opposed to the extremes like i said rape and pedophilia versus like you know if someone was like just called someone you know ah you're, you're stupid like you're not gonna cancel them like you know what i mean like yeah. maybe they'll get there i don't know so it's it's weird man i think people need to chill out a little bit you know what i mean and start accepting people for more who they are and realize the things that should be changed and the things that are just differences of opinion you know what i mean and uh, and uh, but it's hard because that means us mutually agreeing as a culture and like and you know that's never gonna happen like you know no. what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe in a thousand years we'll be transcend physical bodies and we turn into like purely energy beings with a singular consciousness or some shit. But right now, like yeah, niggas ain't agreeing on nothing. Like, you know? <laughs> so it's funny, yeah.
0: Big Pun Plaza, how did it feel to be there at the celebration with the reveal for your father's plaza?
1: Yeah, it was it was really dope, man. Um th- there's a few moments in my life where I got to like it like for instance, my father's funeral, like you mentioned, where I really, you know, as a little kid, you don't realize the magnitude of the impact that you know, uh I, I didn't realize the magnitude of the impact of my father left because I was a kid until I see you know thousands upon thousands of people strangers breaking down and crying like to see the magnitude of his um, of his impact and even growing up seeing people with tattoos on their body immortalizing him on their flesh 20 years after his passing it's crazy so to know how much the bronx meant to him and to know how much of an impact he left and felt deserving that he got his own street name it felt it felt right especially in the Bronx like no matter how much money that man made he never wanted to leave the hood he never wanted to leave the Bronx and and it just made so much sense that he had a street name after so it was long overdue he finally got it it was dope to see the love and support of everybody that came out to it and just to have that there you know what I'm saying if there is a if there is a heaven or if there is a place where where people could look you know uh, back on earth when they are past, I'm sure that's something he would have been happy that he finally got you know what I mean and um and it's dope. It's dope. I'm, I'm proud of it. For
0: sure. I really enjoyed when you released Sincerely Me, when you're speaking upon your father, and you're just catching up on life with him, as if he's still here and you're talking to him spiritually, just letting him know how you've been, how your mother's doing, your family is doing. I think that was an amazing concept and paying homage to him with the twins video because you got the camo outfit on. Yeah. So everything you match yeah. on it, the Puerto Rico flag, everything.
1: Oh, that's the, yeah. Um, I, we, we emulated a lot of his... uh music videos, even the Silk Shirt from Still Not A Player, or, or you know what I'm saying, like different stuff like that. And um, yeah, like I, I thought that record, you know, I, I, only, I only really communicate with him, at, you know, in my head, like I said, I wasn't able to, he's gone. So through music, I feel like that's a catalyst that, you know, something he's done and me growing up as a person, me writing and becoming an artist, I learned a lot about him through his music because my brain operates similar to his. So it's one of those things where I, now that I could break down his rhymes, I could more than what he's saying. I could, I could, I could feel what he's thinking when he's writing it. So I feel uh, the closest connection I have now with him is music. So when I decide to talk to him, it's usually through a song format. When I decide to pay homage, it's usually through a song format. And I and I try to do that. And sincerely, me just felt it felt right because at that time, like so much was going on in my life, and I realized, you know, there was a chunk of my life where I didn't. You know talk to the universe i didn't feel like i talked to him or i didn't feel like, you know what i mean so i was like you know let me get back in tune and you know you know i just felt i just wrote what i felt and it was it was it was nice man people would like the song for sure
0: it, it was amazing just an amazing tribute your father was, was taken from us too soon but his impact is was felt and it will continue to be felt until the end of time because i always look oh, back yeah. at on this we lost some greats in hip-hop way too early with biggie smalls tupac big l and your father because to me those were the four that's the mount rushmore of hip-hop for me
1: oh man it's, it's crazy how some of the greatest people uh in music pass, man like and in such unfortunate ways you know what i mean i always thought my father's passing was unique because as as uh, as violent as he was in the streets or as like gangster or hardcore as he was it wasn't uh, a gunshot or, or a gang thing that took him out it was um his own self-destruction so I think you know shining light on that is um is important because there's so many people that look up to him and there's so many you know what I'm saying when you look at Biggie and Tupac's situation it's a prime example of you know like uh of, of territorial beefs misunderstandings like so many things happen there so it's different lessons that you could take from that I feel like people who idolize my father is just you know this uh, this hardcore, incredible rapper, this gangster, like all this stuff, to know that he dealt with anxiety and dealt with depression and he ate himself to death and had an addiction to that. Like, I think that's something that people could, um you know, learn to admit to themselves, like, oh shit, like maybe I have issues because as minorities and as people who grow up in the hood, we're not very uh, privy to talking about the things that go on internally and the things that are happening to us. So I think he's a story of like, yo, if you could preach past that, if you could preach past your external shell, you could realize that maybe you do need help. Maybe you are traumatized. Maybe you are addicted. Maybe you, maybe you do have issues. And if he addressed them earlier, maybe he could still be, be here with us. You know what I mean? Like, so it's one of those things. So I think, I think his death was a, was a big lesson to people who are willing to look into it and to learn from it for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. At six, you lost your father. Then we move on to when you're eight years old because you had your own deal with Interscope with Three Down, the group with Benzino's son.
1: Yes. Yes. And uh, and another dude named Lil James.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that was that was crazy, man. That was a crazy time. It was like I was doing shit that was even bigger than the stuff I'm doing right now. Like we was we was performing with DMX.
0: And, and Ja Rule like, opened up. Ja Rule,
1: for and like, yeah, like, you know, it's just. Craziness, State stadiums with fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 people and um, red carpets with Bow Wow and Mad Jewelry and like high production videos with $50,000 budgets and like all this extra stuff. We got a $1.2 million deal on the table, all that. And um, one of my favorite rappers, Eminem, he's the reason why the deal got pulled off the table because- uh, was source he, beef. Yeah, yeah, with Benzino on them at the time. So it's just crazy that that happened because it was, it was like back then, like I, like I got a taste of like what- more than like I feel like I, like that 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 was like a like a real like the industry was behind me. There was a labels thing like I got to see that. But again, I was so young. I didn't I didn't realize the nuances of it. Now when I'm older, I really had to start from like square zero. Like it was it was crazy. Like I'm paying. I'm paying to perform in front of fucking five people at Club Pyramid and, and no one's there, no one cares. And I'm getting three streams and I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm handing out my mixtape in the street and trying to get people to like, you know, that that was, that was my, and there's been a gradual, gradual climb. So to get that early and to actually start doing music when I was uh, an adult or graduating high school and to come from that, it's crazy, man. But we was called Three Down. There, there's a, We did a whole album, It's actually fire. It never came out bunch of unreleased tracks and uh we actually have a music video out called baby boo which is hilarious if you look at it like i look back and i'm like yo son this this is crazy like yeah but it's it's definitely funny but to think about that i've been i've been i've been really rapping for like i'm 28 now but i've been rapping for 20 years like you know (laughs) is really is
0: really crazy you have been and, and it's a gift that you have and you've established your own lane your father sat you down when you were younger and said that you're a man you need to take care of your family and you took that on eventually after he passed when when did that start to take form when you had to provide for your family was it right at the age of eight or was it after once you had to start living your life as a child
1: no, even then I felt the responsibility and um everything I did during three down, like um even those days, uh, all the money I got went towards paying bills and paying for uh you know what I'm saying? Like not a lot of eight year olds can say that they were paying rent, but I was, you know what I mean? And and it was one of those things and I, I felt like a failure when it when it went through and I you know, for a minute there I was I was being a kid and being a teenager where um, you know, and the reality of it is that, you know, most ten year olds or eight year olds or however old I was, like, can't support a whole family you know what i mean but like i put that pressure on myself and as i grew older i did my best you know what i mean i wasn't able to support them uh financially always and we struggled a lot with finances and just life beating you down but it's one of those things where i was always trying to be there for them either mentally or emotionally or just do whatever i can with what i had to be able to support my family and my sisters and my mother so it was definitely a responsibility that i felt that i had and um For the most part, I think, you know, we've done a lot of healing and and I've done a lot of uh, stuff that I'm proud of inside my family unit and a lot more that I could have done. But, you know, that comes with acceptance. And as I grow more as an adult, you know, my sisters are all adults. My mom's an adult. Everyone's doing a lot better. Everyone's taking care of themselves. But if they ever need me for anything or ever feel like I need to be there, then uh, they they know I will be in a heartbeat. You know, so it's it's definitely beautiful. Mm
0: -hmm. There was a time period in your life when you were homeless. What was it that got you out of that period and got your life back on track into the path that you're on now?
1: Um, I think that, um, it was gradual, man. Like we was, we was homeless for a while. And, uh, it was one of those things where like we was house hopping and we were separated for a while, for a long time. I was staying in either friend's houses or my cousin's house or, you know, sleeping on floors or wherever I could lay my head at, at the time. And, you know, my sisters and my mom was doing the same. And, um, at some point in high school, we all decided like yo let's 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 try to get into the shelter, uh even though it sucks there, like you know it sucks where we're at now too, but if we' were in there as a family, maybe we could get some sort of like section eight at the time that they were offering it, and you know we was able to get in there and uh eventually get a place, get back on our feet and you know and uh, and uh just you know I think we all decided as a family unit to like figure it figure it out and just you know get into a better position to try to stick together 'cause we was only surviving because we we were separate because, you know, it was too many of us to stay in one place. You know what I mean? Like, so I think as everyone got older and, and, and just learned more about life and gradually got over their traumas and was able to maneuver more, I think people just started getting, you know, you know, just, just more stabilized, you know, it wasn't like a singular moment that that happened that allowed us to just bounce back, but it was a slow gradual burn and a lot of lessons and a lot of, Growing and you know that happened over the course of over a decade that allowed us to just get back on our feet You know what I'm saying and when, contrasting to where we were then versus now like, you know It's dope to look back and see like wow like though We do want to grow more and though there's a lot more we want to do like we definitely came a long way from You know all sleeping separately on you know whoever's floor was available at the time like, you know what I mean? Like so it's definitely it's definitely crazy
0: yeah, it's unfortunate the stuff that happened, but it shows that you 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 guys made it out and thank God that you did and that you're on the path that you're on right now. You've had your struggles with depression over the years. I've heard the stories about just when you were at this pool and you saw these women, they were mocking you pretty much about yeah. your weight, and you eventually had to pull yourself out of that. And yeah, you made I- affirmations.
1: Yeah, man, that, w- that was during the time where I was actually living in a shelter. Um, you know, I was, I was uh, probably like 15 at the time. And, um, you know, I was, I was at a low point in my life, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? The girl I was with at the time, I'm pretty sure she was cheating on me. The, the, um, you know, I, I was homeless. I was wearing the same clothes every day. You know, I, I, I suffered from anxiety and depression and just had a very low self view of myself. And, you know, and uh, I didn't want to go to the pool in the first place. My friends like really, you know, encouraged me to go. And I, Hop out the pool and I'm walking towards them, you know, and I'm wet, looking fat, soaking, walking to the other side, and just a group of like, you know, decently looking girls come and they just all start pointing and laughing at me, and like, it was, it was, it was, re- it was really destructive for a for a fragile mind that was uh, already feeling low about themselves, you know what I mean? And um, it was at that point where I realized I'm like, yo, like if if I don't wanna if I don't wanna feel destroyed constantly, I gotta stop taking what people think about me so seriously, and the only person I should Take seriously as myself my own self opinion, um, and, and if I'm gonna take my self opinion seriously, I can't have my self opinion being something that's negative or detrimental to my health. So at that point, I really started doing affirmations, started reading like crazy. I read like books like like um, the disappearance of the universe was taught a lot about forgiveness. I read books about you know uh, the the alchemist that taught about dreams and just like some self help books that really empower your mind. And I would wake up every day in a shelter. I'll do my push ups. I'll listen to Kings of Leon and I'll do affirmations in the mirror and just really try to put myself in the, in the schedule and really just tell myself, like, "Yo, bro, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. Like, no matter what, you're the greatest. And I would, I would run around with such a force field of positivity. Like, you couldn't tell me anything. There was a point where you couldn't tell me anything. Like, no matter what, I had like a fortress of just like just self-belief and self-love and positivity that no matter what was going on in the external world, like nothing could penetrate that bubble. And I had, I had to become that. In order to just survive at that time, you know what I mean. Like so, it's definitely. I look back and and um, granted, my life isn't as um as as tragic as it was. Uh, but um, what I did with it was create such a such such a strong energy and force field that I realized that struggle helped me become that strong. And I look back and I'm like, y'all, I, I actually do want more of that back, more of that discipline, more of that relentless unwavering optimism and positivity and self-talk even when i didn't believe it i would say yeah i feel awesome and afterward i'll feel a little more awesome you know what i mean like so you know it was definitely something I, I i used as a coping mechanism but it made me stronger and it got me through the through those tough times you know what i mean i'm glad i didn't, I didn't give into depression and you know off myself you know what i mean like so it was it was it was definitely you know i'm still here because of it you know is this
0: right at the point when you would come up with your acronym greatest in the universe
1: yeah, um, I would um, I would tell myself that you know and I'm really into space and astronomy and um, I never want to say like I'm the great like I'm the like great this greatest of all time and it's greatest of, like all the stuff I'm like no I'm the, I'm the greatest in the universe like in all in all universes and the omniverse and all of existence like if if I, if I if I if I put my mind to it if I allow myself to be I could be the greatest being that ever existed and that exists and I would I would I would pump myself up that much so I we always would say greatest in the universe and by the time I was able to make a project called it it just made. sense because like my life was filled with those affirmations and that's what I would have to tell myself so it just made sense when I wanted to empower other people like why not give them that story and um and that's what it was yeah
0: Mm -hmm. you get your life back on track at the in high school you started to take rapping seriously at what point was it that you started to hit the radio stations really take it further into the public eye in which people started to recognize what you were doing
1: it was weird. It was about two, like maybe two years into me rapping that um, that people started to really take note, maybe a year, a year or two years into rapping, where the novelty of like, oh, this is Big Pun Son. Let me check him out. Let me give him a chance. So there was a novelty of that. I think that happened. and I probably got a few opportunities that I didn't earn at the time. Uh, like being on Hot 97, that first one with Rosenberg, which it was that interest. And I look back and I'm like, wow, if I knew what I knew now and if I was as experienced and as seasoned as I was, I would have taken more advantage of those opportunities. I would have been better media trained. I would have also had a better skill set that I could capitalize off of the, the the outcome of those opportunities. You know what I mean? And those certain looks and, and, and whatnot. But uh, I would say it happened about a year, a year and a half after that. And then um, as that trickled, I started getting different looks and I was doing more music. I linked up with uh, the lock styles, P and them. And I started getting, you know, in tune with more people in the industry, doing more of those features and just went went on tour with them. And just gradually, like I said, like um, everything in my life has been a slow burn. Again, it wasn't like one decisive moment. It was like every single fan I have, I earned them one by one. And every single song I did, every single lesson, like it was an earned thing. So it wasn't like a one singular, like, oh, I had that one big interview and that one big show. And it's like, nah, man, this has been like 20 years in the making. And, and some years it goes up, some years it goes down, some years it plateaus and it goes back up again. And it's like, it's been a roller coaster, man. But yeah, a lot's happened for sure.
0: You brought up the locks, the locks you're very close with, especially with Styles P, because you had the conversation with him about you being the sword. But when you get on the track, you want to use that gunplay.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's pretty amazing, man. Like, he's one of those people that's, like, he'll, he'll sleep in the... Like, he really loves it. Like, he'll sleep in the... studio. He, the man's a millionaire. He'll, like, break night in the studio, sleep on the couch, roll up, keep writing, and, um, yeah, he gave me that one gem, man, that, I mean, he gave me a lot of gems, but that gem really stuck with me. It was one of those things where it's, like, yeah, like, if you, he's like, yo, if you hop on the track with me? I'm a bigger artist than you. My, my, my fans like hearing a gun you know what I mean and you you have a sword and you're really great at a sword but if you come on a track with me and using a sword my fans won't care they want to hear guns, so you got to show them that you're also good at using the gun you know what I mean and and that showed me a lot because now anytime I hop on a track uh, record with a larger artist I'm realizing like yo this is an opportunity to, to to take their fans to to make their fans also my fans and if I'm gonna do that I have to acknowledge that they listen to this person for a reason so if I'm over here not giving them what they like from this artist. And it's not saying like change who you are, but learn how you like, who am I with a gun? You know what I mean? Like, who am I with a sword? Who am I with a rocket launcher? Who am I with a, you know, whatever their world is. So you gotta learn how to hop into people's worlds and still be yourself and to capitalize on those opportunities. And I I really took that to heart, man. And it's helped me a lot for sure. (laughs)
0: the locks you've had some gems with, especially with styles P or some other big artists that we may not know about that you've collaborated with a lot of people, but who are some legends that you you've collaborated with in which they may have, or or not have collaborated with that have given you some gems over the years. I would say
1: People know, people know about a lot of the people I collaborated with, but I would say one that people probably don't know that dropped a lot of gems on me was uh, exhibit. He, mm-hmm. uh, he put a lot of love and, um, I got to chill with him in LA and, um, he's one of those people that, uh, you know, he, he allowed me to see his, uh, his structure. You know what I'm saying? He allowed me to see like, one, he told me his life story, which was amazing. He's an amazing dude to be around. He's very high energy, very, very optimistic. And to hear what, hear what he had to go through in the industry and hear like what he had to bounce back from and him being so open about it. And then on top of that, to, to, to hang out with him and and him to show me a bunch of unreleased stuff and to say like, Hey, like, okay. Like he's like, yeah, like this is, this is, I have the next Two years fully plotted out every release for the next two years and my schedule and I'm just like yo like i don 't even know what's happening next week, like you know the next two years of your life, and you have content planned out and rollouts and interviews already set up, and it's like he's like, yeah, like this is how you move when you're a millionaire, this is how you move so i got to I got to breach into the mind state of how someone of that level or someone a level that you want to be at how how big they think and how critical they think and how they operate and run their lives and you know it was it it, it was really dope and i'm grateful for him and he shows a lot of love to this day so big shout out to exhibit as well uh for for allowing me to just be in his life and to observe his movements like it was really
0: dope Something I've heard you say in interviews and just bring up, even when you're freestyling, give me that boom bap. I like that boom bap. And you've also spoken about it. People listen to You Ain't a Killer today and say, where's the turn up? How come you think that kids just don't feel that, what we feel? Because when I hear You Ain't a Killer and tracks that you do, the dark ones, for instance, that's one of my favorite tracks by you. How come the kids today don't get that same feeling? Because... When I listen to Migos, I don't get that same feeling. I'm, right. I'm a young old head, so. <laughs> sure,
1: there, there, there's, a, um, there's a study they did, actually. It's like a scientific thing that the music that you hear uh, uh, in your early teens, uh, while you're developing, it does something in your brain where it, it, it latches onto nostalgia and a development part of your soul that that's the music that, no matter what, that's gonna, always gonna feel nostalgic and reminiscent to you where it's like, it hits, like, it's like, oh, man, this is amazing. So, like, the kids now, like, the things they're listening to is a totally different thing. Like, our, their palate has changed. Same thing, like, you know, the era before us where it's, like, those people really, like, a hip, a hop, a hip. Are like, you know, I had, like, respect to them dudes, but, like, I'm not going to listen to that. Like, I, you know, I don't care. <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's, like, yo, like, oh, why are you not rapping like that? Like, you know, you can't, you can't knock the kids for having a different taste. I think, but everything's cyclical. I think um, as long as you have a good balance, like, I like to always bring up, like, Kendrick, Poe up, drink, headshot, Drake, where... He made a party song about people drinking to it and partying to it and having a good time, but it's a song about the horrors of alcoholism and why you shouldn't drink. And so he, he, he perfectly mixed his ability to have a, um, a positive message and to have a deep, impactful message with it being formatted in a way. For today's listeners to still turn up and to listen to, so it's like he didn't abandon who he was, but he figured out a formula where it's still going to get a lot of plays. You know what I mean? Like, so like you have to find a, a dope balance if you want to appeal to people now, but still be respected by the people who you respected as well. So it, it all it all comes with a balance, and I think ultimately, like if you have a good ear and you know why people, because really the kids like stuff now because it has a bop and a flow to it. So you can still have a dope flow, a dope bop, a dope energy, but still be saying stuff that's impactful and meaningful and figure out how to do it. And I think that's where the greatest artists come from. Like, look at Drake, like he's artist of the decade and he's been able to not only set trends, but to be dope enough that he could ride each trend as it comes and not get stuck in the individual trend because he's able to adapt and change because he can actually write well. So I, I think that's important, you know what I mean? But you gotta ask yourself what you're going for. Like, do you wanna just make music for yourself and your friends? and Or do you wanna make it something that you're being paid for or do you wanna just be respected or do you wanna actually be fiscally successful? Like, So you, once you ask yourself and you realize, okay, I want this from it, so I gotta do this and you just accept that and you keep running. You know what I mean?
0: I remember listening and hearing you speak about your older tracks because you said that you would have to sit still in your room to really listen to some of your tracks back in the day. And you had yeah. to change that in your process the making songs that appeal to everybody and get that movement going on the dance floor, just people that are listening to your songs in general. And get the knowledge.
1: Yeah, man, it, it was it was a tough time. Like um, even to this day, like it, it, it pains me knowing, like you know, like my, none of my friends like my music. My family, none of them like my like no one. No, no one I know personally likes my music, or at least back then. And it was always like strangers that would like it. And I would and I would look at it and I'll, I'll listen to the music that they actually do like. And I'm like, wow, like this is nothing like what I'm making. And even I didn't really like the stuff I was making. It was just what I knew how to do. You know what I mean? Like, so I was like, you know, I got I gotta become more multifaceted. I gotta learn how to create a bop. There was this one time where I was chilling with Oswald Benjamin and Rod the producer. Uh, he's the one that produced all of G2 actually. And um, I was like, yo, I want to learn how to do more tonal stuff. I want to learn how to sing. I want to learn how to like create a bob. And it was like, yeah, bet. It was like, it was like, I gotta get uncomfortable. So I was like, all right, I'm not gonna write. I'm gonna just hop in the booth. I'm, I'm gonna just freestyle, but I'm also not gonna rap. I, I'm only able to sing. So I created a song, it's called People Talk. And I'm in there and and, and and it turned out fire. I sent it to my sister. Simply, mind you, I didn't write it. I was singing. I probably, it was probably only four bars stretched out the least lyrically dense thing I've ever done mm-hmm. and for my sister to go like oh this is the
0: best okay we're back so what I think we left off with you talking about how you began to structure songs lyrically and also bring that flavor to it where everyone can have a bop to it which is the appeal
1: yeah yeah it was one of those things where like like I said I realized a lot of my a lot of my friends and family didn't really like my music and um it was a really, eye, it was an eye-opening experience. Like one of my birthdays, I was with Rob, the producer who created, uh, who produced the whole G2 album. I was with Oswin as well. And I was like, yo, I want to learn how to, you know, make music that I like and, you know, become more versatile. Like I want to learn how to hold a note and to, you know, do tonal stuff. And it was like, yo, get uncomfortable, get in the booth, sing. And, and I was like, yo, they was like, yo, don't write. You're not allowed to write. You're not allowed to rap. Like you're only allowed to sing and off the top. And I went in there it, it was probably the most, like, least thought i put into something and it was probably the least lyrically dense thing i've ever done and it's me singing and it's dope it sounded cool and i showed it to my sister and it was a bittersweet thing that where she was like yo this is the best thing i've ever heard from you and mind you like i've done like like 12 minutes straight and just going off and putting my heart and soul into it and taking five days to really craft a verse and to memorize all the stuff and to know that's something i just freestyled on the top of my head That was four bars. The thing for her to say is the dopest thing. Like it was it was a slap in the face, but it was also one of those things it was eye opener, like, yo, people listen to music to feel good. Like very few people listen to music to just be super duper staggered and impressed by the lyricism and the like. That's for like rap nerds, you know what I mean? Which is cool. But for the most part, people listen to music to, you know, pass the time while they're cleaning, while they're smoking, while they're having sex, while they're driving, while they're like, and you want to be able to exist in all of these worlds, not just in the gym or in a rap nerd contest. You know what I mean? So it's like, yo, like how can I, how can I do more? And ultimately I wanted to make music that I would listen to because for a long time I did not And I was like, yo, what's, what's the disconnect? So I had to, I had to learn how to like create new skills and to learn new stuff just to make the music that I heard in my head. Cause prior to that, all I knew how to do was rap really aggressively and densely. Now, now I developed enough skills that I'm like, I'm way closer to the music that I hear in my head. Still not perfectly there yet, but is definitely better. And I, and I, and now I can exist in multiple worlds, you know, not just a gym and not just on a rap nerd, you know, uh, exhibition, you know,
0: <laughs> have you had conversations with any labels recently? Because I know you're independent. Have you had any conversations with labels recently about signing a deal or, or do you plan on just staying independent?
1: Uh, a, a couple, sometimes it's like distribution deals or like different things like that. Um, uh, but, uh, Nothing that's like super, you know, there's nothing right now that's super life changing or crazy that's like, yeah, like expect me to be signed to a major with two or 12 million, like next year. There's nothing like that, but like, you know, some stuff here and there uh, for sure. But for the most part, when you see what they're offering someone at my, uh, you know, status or, or level right now, it's a lot of stuff that you can do for yourself. Uh, it's just like, they're just fronting some money and like, doing. you know, it's different now with the internet and with other stuff, like you either have to be an incredibly established artist for them to offer you something that's really impeccable or, or um, you know, you get kind of lowballed, or you know, you could just you could just do it yourself. So it's cool. But I've done some distribution deals and stuff like that. But hopefully, you know, in the future, if I uh, when I become you know more largely renowned, if, if a label does approach me with something that does make sense, uh, then you know it's something to look at for sure. But if I'm already at that point, making you know six figures, seven figures, eight figures off of music myself, the question, you know, you beckon, you know, what do I need you for?
0: Exactly. And, uh,
1: you no, know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see where the future takes us. You know, there's, there's some stuff on the table, so we're going to keep looking at it.
0: <laughs> I think it would be full circle if Eminem signed you to Shady Records because he's signing a lot of real lyrical artists right now. Grip, Conway the Machine. You're seeing yeah. the trend there where you got the real hip-hop MCs getting signed to Eminem. Yeah. And because with your deal with Interscope getting shelved back in the day, I think it would only be full circle for you to get that deal with Eminem.
1: Yeah, was, uh, uh, that crossed my mind a few times. I always thought that, you know, especially him being one of my favorite rappers, you know, growing up, um, it, 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 it I, I thought it would just be hilarious, you know what I'm saying? Like to have the opportunity, because then I'll definitely, hopefully, be able to. If that was the case, I would be able to meet him, and if I did, I would definitely tell him that story. Like, you know, what I'm saying, I'm like, you need, I'm like, you need to put at least that much in my pocket with this deal, because that's what you do. <laughs> you know what i mean like like let's go but like, yeah that, that, that would be pretty funny that's a full circle
0: sure. <laughs> it would be and i hope something like that happens and and you get what you deserve because mcs out here it's difficult with the social media game out here and i, I understand mm-hmm. that mcs go through a difficult path out here for what's trendy and popping and what you do and other mcs do is hip-hop and at the end of the day there needs to be a balance where you guys can win and eat too because you got the trap artists that are eating and winning out here, rightfully so. But you guys are the definition of hip hop.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely unfortunate um, for a lot of people that I think that they could just you know love music and just succumb in this like loving it and and not empowering themselves with any knowledge because uh, it's one of those things similar to boxing where it's like there's no pension, there's no like union, there's no like. Nothing like that, like you really like a lot, like most. The starving artist uh, term is really coined and, and really exists. Like there's a lot of people who, you know, make almost no music, money off music in general, or they're trying to really figure it out. But I've seen a lot of a lot of dudes with like one tenth of my following making 10 times more money than me because they learned how to capitalize off of the business and certain things. And and it really, it really got me into empowering myself with the knowledge, like reading the right books, getting the right people around me, knowing what opportunities that, that, that you should be capitalizing on or things that you could do better to, to further, you know, your finances in this thing, because there are ways that, you know, you got to ask yourself, it's like, do I want to be, I don't know, like Drake, do I want to make 25, 50 million dollars a year off of this? Or do I want to make 60K a year off of this or a hundred K? You know what I mean? we you start breaking down like that, when you think about like, okay, I want a hundred K worth of, I want to make a hundred K a year. It's like cool. So I need a hundred thousand dollars worth of content. Like say if you had a hundred dollars worth of content that you release in a year. Let's say like you release like Two albums that's $10 a piece, that's 20 bucks. You release, like, you know, a piece of merch that's 50 bucks, a couple of CDs that's, uh, what, like 30 bucks, whatever, that's a hundred dollars. And you got a thousand people to buy all of that in a year, if you got a thousand dedicated fans, that's a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? Like, and a hundred thousand dollars doing something you love and something that you enjoy, that's not bad, man. No, you know I mean? not at all. <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. So, when, 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 you, when, you, um, when you stabilize your expectations into something that's still grandiose and, and exceptional, but something that's realistic or something that you could approach in a way that like, a, a what, like an action-based plan that you could approach it and you bring it down to the real world, you start seeing like, yo, this is possible. And you really ask yourself, like, do I really need millions of dollars to be happy? Or do I need what? What What do I need to be happy? And what do I need right now? Like in the next year, what do I need to be happy? And you think about that. and You think about the steps to get there. Like you can, but you gotta empower yourself because a lot of these a lot of these people coming in and up and rap like there's people who sign contracts who don't read them because they don't know what that is. And there's people like you know what I mean. Like it's unfortunate that you know we're 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 perpetually taken advantage of and under under um empowered in the in the field of knowledge. But so I would encourage everyone out there that's doing this learn the business side learn everything you can to make money in it and, it and make sure it's something that you absolutely love. Cause it's not going to be something that you're going to be making tons of bread off. Initially. Usually uh, you might need a side hustle in order to support this, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, but it's possible, man. Like as long as you, it's possible. You may not be a trillionaire, but you, you, you could, you could be good. You could be well off. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. You have nine projects out right now with Apophenia yeah. and it, it, just seeing you build your discography, what project do you look back on or album that you're most proud of that you said say to yourself that this is Chris Rivers, this is my legacy?
1: Um, It's funny because I, I don't feel like I have that one defining like, you know, you look at Kendrick and he has a like good kid, Mad City. Or you look at, you know, J. Cole and he has 2014 Forest Hill Drive. You have Ready to Die for Biggie. Like those people that's like Illmatic for Nas. like the one staple album that's like, wow, this is the one I feel like I haven't made that one yet. I do have albums that I'm proud of for personal reasons. Like the first one I ever came out with, which was, you know, it wasn't even an album. It was a mixtape, but it was one of the land of misery. that, That was the first time I actually like, yo, let me make a project. So that holds dear in my heart and I can hear myself being so... Uh, free in a sense that I had no idea about I didn't I wasn't influenced by fans yet because it was my first project I wasn't influenced by the industry or thinking like oh I need to do more of this or this song needs to be more well-rounded if I want to access this target demographic like it was just raw straight out of high school I had stuff I wanted to say I was trying stuff I was having fun like that's dope in my heart I would say another one that's dope in my heart is um is uh DeLorean and Gitu Gitu because uh DeLorean was me finally, I could hear myself trying stuff uh, because I was trying like, yo, let me try to start making music that's not just one dimensional, but it felt really rough and, and it felt like I was beginning to try stuff. And Gitu's is dear to me because I felt like I was finally, like I linked up with a producer that, Rod, the producer that was very dynamic and knew a lot of instruments and I was that was the first time I really created songs where I felt like I was doing stuff that was really different and way more developed and artistically developed and I feel like that had the biggest change between the last project and that one as for all my projects where it sounded like the most of a different I was kind of leaning into more like the music that I wanted to make and then SIBB I'm also proud of because that was me like it was completely in isolation like i found those beats myself i recorded myself i built the studio under my bed like it was really like one of those things it's like yo like everyone got covid right now i can't leave the crib how can i make something and the only thing that i outsourced was the mixing shout out to leftway he he also mixed um aphrophinia as well he mixes a lot of my stuff and uh but because I, I wasn't that, but if I learned how to mix, I would have did that too. And I was singing on those hooks, and I didn't know how to sing, but I was doing everything myself. And you know, so hoes there. But um, you know, so it's 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 crazy. Like each project means a different thing to me because I, I hear it, and I remember why I was in my life at that time, you know. But as far as like a defining project, I could tell people like, yo, go back and listen to this, and this is Chris Rivers. I feel like I'm maybe um a year or two from creating that project. You know what I mean? Like, and that's when all my ducks are in order. I got the, I got all the production I want. I got all the collaborations I want. I got every single thing. Like, I'm like, yeah, I got, I can fund this and do that. Like my defining artist, I, I think that's coming in the next year or two for sure.
0: Oh, and I'll be looking forward to that. And I'm sure your fans will be looking forward to that. For me, when I think about, because I, I was in the middle of what I was saying for my next question, for me, your Elmatic, your de- defining album for me is Gitu because you look at the songs that are on that album besides Sincerely Me, Damage Goods. That's a song to me that's just out of awesome. this world and crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, if I had to pick one out of the stuff that I made so far, it's definitely that project. That's the most defining. That's the most like developed and like, it was the most like, I was like, yeah, like it I felt like a come out project. It was unfortunate that um, that uh, my career was what it was leading up into that. I feel like I changed so much during that project that some of my father's fans or people that expected me to be a certain way of what I built up, they leaned away from it. You know what I mean? Um, where I gained a lot of fans too, that, w- that was different. So it was like a split there. So it was, it was like starting again from square one, but like when you prestige and Call of Duty where you still kind of got all your skills, but you lost all your weapons. That 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 that's kind of how it felt. Where it was like, okay, cool. Like I'm starting to get for score one, but I know a lot more. And that project was it, man. I'm super proud of that project. The songs I listen, I think, I think when I blow up, or when I really get to a crazy level and people go back and hear my projects, that's gonna be one of the ones that they hear and they're like, wow, this was amazing. I can't believe I ever heard this. You know what I mean? Because birds. They'll say, yeah, birds. I love birds. Like. I love, yeah, yeah, damaged goods. Uh, yeah, so, so many of those songs it's just like, yo, like it's, it's just awesome, yeah, for sure.
0: Insane, self inflicted. Bubble boy, that was a great project that you released. There was this inspired by the movie Bubble Boy, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh,
1: I did watch that growing up, and um, that's the first time I heard uh, the the phrase Bubble Boy, mm-hmm. and um, and, uh, and I and I and I kind of made it more metaphoric. You know, like he was a literal Bubble Boy where. He uh he couldn't leave because of his uh, immune system was compromised. But um I I felt that way during during COVID where it's like yo we're all trapped in our homes. And then when I started realizing like yo like when you think more deeply like we we're all trapped in in bubbles like our bubbles of uh, of thought and our bubbles of social dynamics where we where we like you know someone your neighbor, you're like someone who lives right next to you is living a totally different life than you. Has different opinions about everything. Different different foods that they like. Different perspective on life and philosophies and all that. Stuff, because their bubble is different than your bubble. And we have a, we have a social. We have like a bubble because of our borough. A bubble because of our complexion. Our culture. We even have a, a United States bubble because you go you leave the country and you realize people fundamentally don't even think like we do. You know what I mean? So like, so when I realized that a lot of the pain that I was, that I was feeling was self-inflicted, that's the self-inflicted part and the isolation part where it comes to the bubble boy, where it's like, you know, cause also when I get depressed, I tend to isolate myself. So I was really trying to build metaphorically what that meant. I was like, yo, this, this feels right. It's a funny ass title. And I, lo- I love acronyms for my titles and I love weird titles. And I was like, yeah, no, it just makes sense. It's like, yeah, I feel isolated and I feel trapped but this is definitely self afflicted Like I did this to myself, like I'm I'm my only enemy here. And uh, I, I gotta, I gotta get through that. And that, that's how it felt being in, you know, fucking quarantine for the start of COVID, it was crazy.
0: Oh, I remember, I remember the start of COVID and it, what's funny is, is that when COVID started going crazy you actually, cause when I was at St. John's you actually came up to the station the day that they sent everybody home. And I was still in my home cause I live in Connecticut. I was right. still in my home in Connecticut and I all of a sudden I get a call from the station saying that oh Chris Rivers is here for you but we shut down and I had no idea that you were coming or anything. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. That was at the school. Yeah, it was at the school and they shut everything down and yeah, and, and and there were some conflicts with the schedule and everything, and we didn't get to do it. But it comes full circle now that we're doing yeah. the interview now. That's and... a, you know, what's
1: funny. I, I didn't know. Uh, it, I'm glad you said that because I didn't, I didn't know that was you.
0: Yeah, that was me because you were there for my show then. <laughs>
1: I, I, met, I met some cool people there. I showed up and I was shocked too because I was like I was reading signs while I was walking into the school, and I'm like, yo, a lot of stuff seems like it shut down. I went up there and it was like, yeah, this is um, like, yo, it's not happening. I got to chop it up with a few cats in there, and I was like, yo, like that's crazy. But I was like, yo, like shit world is shutting down let's go but to to two years later to actually be doing an interview with you that's nuts bro that's
0: nuts that's crazy man i'm glad that we were we were able to do this and and make it happen it's been a long time coming and and i'm just glad to see that you're still going through it and releasing music and still being productive during this time of covid because we're making it through this we're still being productive and especially you as an artist it's so difficult because of the performances and It's really hurt the music industry. And I'm talking about COVID because the entertainment factor of it, it's just gone right now. It's not the same. The performances, you never know where the the mandates or what's going on with the restrictions in certain areas. It's insane.
1: Yeah, if you relied on shows as income, which a lot of artists did primarily, that shut down. And then on top of that, merch was merchandise, which normally averaged about 30% of an artist's income. That was typically sold primarily at shows as well. So two of the biggest incoming uh, income uh, for artists were shut down uh, respectfully from COVID, and then on top of that, really like now you really got to rely on streams, and that's that's so difficult unless you're like a huge artist that you're getting a crazy amount of streams. So uh, creators really had to learn how to be really creative and adapt with the times, and I think a lot of people who weren't weren't doing things creatively before COVID started to because they adapted and I think the artists that adapted during it were the ones that really came out successful and like I think I think this whole thing pandemic really birthed a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of because a lot of people got laid off a lot of people realized the fickle nature that anything can happen and you could lose your job so if you're not self-efficient if you don't know what you're doing then then you're going to be left in the dust and uh so I think it created a lot of hustlers and a lot of entrepreneurs and also created a lot of people, you know, realizing, like, oh shit, I need to get a regular job or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, it's been, it's been an adjustment, man. I'm glad that I'm still here. I'm still adjusting and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go way further bro. and interesting to see where the world's going. because it's, it's still crazy.
0: It's insane. And, and I hope COVID it ends soon when Omicron, it's going insane out here still. I'm hoping in a couple of years we're out of this and everything's back to normal because we haven't experience normal in three years it feels as though that this is the new normal
1: yeah i I think i think the the norm the normal it's going to be a new normal it's going to be it's going to be a new adjustment and uh that happens a lot you know what i'm saying because what's normal now is not what what was normal in the 1900s or even in the 80s you know what i Uh mean like and so like and granted this this, did shake the world up but you know it's it's never going to be like how it was beforehand you know what Uh i mean because the innovations that happened during, you know what I mean? And, and just the awareness of it. So, you know, I'm interested in seeing what, what, what kind of Phoenix rises from the ashes of the situation. And, um, and hopefully we all, we all come back to life with it. You know?
0: What's your plan of attack next and taking the next step into the industry to be someone such as Drake and taking it to that level? Because to me, you're ready. You've been ready. Yeah,
1: I, I think artistically I am. I, I think uh, right now, uh, as far as like on a business level, um, I'm making sure that I stay very consistent with the content. And very on um, brand, like making sure everything on the back end is right, making sure that I release music um you know on Spotify or streaming platforms every two to every two to six weeks. Uh, making sure that I I like overload them similar to Griselda with many, you know, at least like three or four projects a year. And, you know, just kind of overload them with content because as long as you stay in people's faces, it's a numbers game at this point, you know what I mean? Like, and making sure that I'm, you know, living enough life experiences and getting more creative while I'm doing that, uh, expanding my like, you know, my my ability to make different types of music and better music and really capitalize off of TikTok and Instagram and social media platforms. I really use all the tools around me to really push my content and allow my content to develop with the time. Now, I think that's the best way for me to get out there because I've always had talent. I've always had skill and I've always had a work ethic but I wasn't fully utilizing the tools. I thought just being talented or just working really hard was enough, but it's not. Sometimes you don't need to work as hard but you need to work smarter. And sometimes you don't, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's not about talent. Sometimes it's about being creative and about being you know, well-informed and being connected. So making sure that those areas where I felt, uh, I look back and I realized I was weak there to expand on that because as far as being good enough i'm more than good enough than some of the best artists in the world I, i'll rap them i got i could i could do a lot of those things but you know can uh can can my business be as good as theirs that's what i'm that's what i'm getting to the point of
0: for sure it, it's gonna happen because you've tackled everything thus far and just your story and hearing it it's such an inspiration because you've gone through the rough points and now you're moving to the apex right now and it's important in your career and it's only gonna keep getting higher and higher for you
1: Thank you so much, brother. That means that means a lot, man. Like it's been a long, long and turbulent journey and, and I just want it to all, you know, be worth it in the end. So I'm gonna make sure that it is for
0: mm-hmm. sure. You brought up collaborations before. Who are you looking forward to going bar for bar with in the future that you haven't went bar for bar with yet?
1: Uh, just this year alone, I want to collab with people like Coda the Friend, Marlon Craft. Uh, I would like to collab with my, uh, Kemba. He's an amazing artist from New York, like people I respect musically. I could get collaborations from people like, you know, like a Joey Badass. Or I get collaborations from like a CJ Flyer. Anybody with like a really good following or notoriety. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that too. But there's an upcoming cast right now that I really do um, respect their craft and going hard in the game right now and I want to do stuff with them and you know even people at a higher level if I can so you know I'm just, I'm just pumped to work with anybody at this point like there's some people who I'm excited to work with because I'm fans of their music and there's some people who I'm not fans of but their numbers go fucking crazy and I'm like I'm excited to just take your fans you know what I mean like <laughs> I'm, ready, I'm ready I'm ready to I'm ready to work with a lot of people and just stay releasing some music constantly and just be smart about it for sure mm-hmm.
0: we need that Griselda Chris Rivers track that Dave East Chris Rivers track we need to make yeah. that happen
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, and you know, some of those are really possible. You know, I I I love I love I love asking for those things when it makes sense, when it's not like a, a favor. So once once I turn up a bit more and the numbers make sense, then I'm gonna hit them up, be like, yo, let's do this, because it's not just beneficial to me, but it's gonna be gonna be a good look for all of us. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm I'm definitely gonna earn those for sure.
0: One hundred percent. Pardon the puns. The reality show I was reading about it years ago. Is there any update on this? Could we ever go through with this?
1: Uh, man, I don't know, man. We got a lot of, we got a lot of industry blocks, you know what I mean? From like inside of it or, or whatever it is, like certain things just don't happen. So, um, uh, we realized, uh, that like, well, while that may not happen, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe one of my sisters might get a show or do their things that, you know what I'm saying? But I realized I'm like, yo, like, again, with TikTok, with YouTube, like you're better off making your own little show, recording your own stuff, accumulating millions of followers and like, and starting yourself. A lot of these, a lot of these people, I, I know I see some YouTubers that make Five million dollars a month, just recording themselves, fucking getting Starbucks and raising a kid. Like I'm like, yeah, like my lady. I'm like, yo, let's let's. I'm like, let's go. This year we get we we gonna start our own show on YouTube. It's gonna be me and you. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I don't know if a show like that is happening, but you know, at this point, you know, screw the industry. Like we're gonna make it happen ourselves, and we're gonna do it. Yeah, for sure.
0: Any talks with any collaborations with Chalkline and, and Ewing Athletics for your own? line of sneakers for apophenia or any of your upcoming projects
1: uh not yet man um there, there's some there's some clothing collaborations with different companies that I, that, that uh that i'm definitely getting like uh, associates or, or collaborate collaborative stuff with but nothing like that i definitely would love to eventually but i think that's one of those things like uh like someone even offered to do like a uh, like an autobiography of my like my life or certain things recently and, and like or even a movie and i was like yo it's too soon i was like too soon yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't done the big amazing things yet. Like I, I still feel like I'm at the, like the, 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 like my backstory has been established and I'm at the beginning of like the crazy parts of my journey where like at the big stuff hasn't happened yet, where I'm able to do the autobiography. So when I look at like sneakers, I'm like, yeah, like not yet. Like, let me, let me blow up. Let me get to a certain level before I do that. So that now it makes sense and people actually want to get them and stuff like that. Cause again, right now that would be a favorite. That'd be me like, yo, like can't, know let me do this. And it's not just like, yo, this makes sense you know what I mean so like eventually I, I, I see it down the line for sure but uh I definitely got to make a little more noise and, and establish myself more as a as a staple before I get some of those bigger looks and it makes sense for sure
0: I can't wait for that to happen how's life on the west coast now could you mention earlier you moved to the west coast are you out in LA California
1: yeah between there and AZ and other spots on the west coast as well and uh it's dope, man. It's a change of vibe. The weather is, uh, it, it, I I'm mean, grateful. Like it's OD brick right now in New York, and
0: he <laughs> got that right.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. Over here is now, so that that's pretty cool. And like you know, the vibe and the energy is different. The sunset be slapping over here, and the clouds look different. Like it's just a nice change of pace. You know, I realized I've started feeling stagnant in New York. You know what I mean? I started feeling like stuck. Like my life was just like a never-ending cycle of the same thing. So sometimes, you know, it's great to have internal change, and it's great to change your perspective and the inside. Cause that's what really matters. But sometimes an external change, a big one could stimulate some internal growth. So that's what I did. I wanted to like kickstart and defibrillate my life a bit. And it did, so I, you know, I enjoy it. You know, some of the friendships I have over here and I'm still just, you know, I'm fresh. I haven't even made a year out here yet. So I'm definitely interested in seeing what, what, what more stuff could happen. Yeah.
0: A change of scenery is always needed. And this is what's really gonna kickstart your career for even further right now. And you're seeing that Apophenia is available on all platforms. Make sure you go check that out, download it, support it. Chris Rivers, man, is there anything else you would love to let my audience know? Any upcoming announcements that you want to make, anything?
1: Yeah, uh, stay tuned, man. Like I said, Apophenia is out everywhere. Definitely listen to that. Besides this joint project, I got more music and more projects coming throughout the year. Follow me on Spotify, social media platforms, all of that. And uh, just, you know, just believe in yourself. Just love what you're doing believe in yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Like the world is crazy right now and the world's going to beat you down all by itself. The last thing you need to do is help it. Believe in yourself, man. Like be, be happy, pursue your dreams and, and just, and just keep going. Cause if I could do it through trauma, through depression, through weight issues, through all that stuff, and I can still be here fighting, then y'all can do it too, man. And, um, and I and I believe in y'all for what it's worth and I love y'all. So shout out to you, brother. Thank you for having dope energy. And honestly, this is one of the, the best interviews I've had in a long time because I've done a lot of interviews where I could tell the people interviewing don't really know that much about me or certain things that I could tell you really did your research and you really care. And um, I love the way you go about it, man. So I appreciate you having me and just giving me this dope experience as well. For sure. That
0: means a lot to me, Chris Rivers. Thank you for what you're doing for the game and what you're bringing to hip hop. Because at the end of the day, I stand with MCs such as yourself and it's going to be my job, especially as a DJ and not only just a radio host, but to keep promoting what you got going and what MCs are doing out here, because people need to know at the end of the day, hip hop comes first and hip hop is MCs.
1: Let's go. That's how you that's that's how you wrap up the show. Bro.
0: That's right. <laughs> you already know. Make sure they follow you on Instagram at Dragons and Rivers. Yes, sir. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram at that and for all my listeners out there and make sure you go download the newest project, OCD. Go support them; It's real hip-hop. We don't get collectives like this anymore. Griselda was rare, but you got OCD right now. OCD yes, is out and they're popping and they're ready to do bigger and better things.
1: Yes, sir. You the man, bro. Go support that, man. If y'all care about us at all, just give it a listen. And if you like it, show your friends, show your mom, whoever, you know? Definitely.
0: You You got that right. You're always welcome on the show. Anytime you want to come back on and talk about an upcoming project or when you release one, we'd love to have you back on. Shout out to Ray for setting this up, too.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be back when I got the next project to promote. Best. Best For sure,
0: man. I appreciate it. I got it in the rotation. I want you to enjoy the rest of your night. Stay safe and and good luck on what you're doing in Colorado, too. Thank you. One mile high. Go represent the Broncos out there. It's going to be
1: hard to perform with that altitude, but we'll make it happen.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all, right, bro. all right good night chris rivers have a good night man and, and peace to all the listeners out there
1: love love
0: love man